you have questions about Connecticut personal injury law, then you've found your podcast. Connecticut personal injury attorney Ryan McKean keeps it real. Straight talk. Live from Glastonbury, Connecticut. This is Ryan McKean. Hi, everybody. It's attorney Ryan McKean. I'm here with attorney Betsy Ingram today to discuss brain injuries in car accidents and specifically a case that is the the talk of the legal community as reported by the Connecticut Law Tribune, which I'll link to down in the comments below on YouTube and um, talk talk a little bit about brain injuries in car accident cases. So good morning, Betsy. Good morning, Ryan. Betsy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a trial attorney at Connecticut Trial Firm. I went to University of Connecticut undergraduate and University of Connecticut Law School. And since then, I've been trying cases uh, in Connecticut, working as a Connecticut lawyer um, and gotten some very good results on behalf of my clients. And I enjoy serving the community. And Betsy, you have extensive experience handling brain injury cases. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I've handled a number of cases where clients received significant traumatic brain injuries from car accidents or other types of accidents. Um, Brain injuries are an important but sometimes unrecognized part of an accident case because anytime you have a significant car accident, there's the potential that you had some sort of brain injury in that car accident. How do brain injuries occur in car accidents? Well, there's two main ways. First, obviously, you can hit your head on some part of the interior of the car, often the steering wheel or uh, maybe the back of the headrest or a window. Um, but the other way is a little bit less well known. It's, it's what happens when you have a significant impact and your body is thrown from side to side or front to back and your brain actually bounces around inside your skull. So the trauma of your brain hitting the inside of your skull can also cause a brain injury, even if you didn't hit your head in the accident. Do you have to have lost consciousness in a car accident to have a brain injury? No, absolutely not. Um, If you did lose consciousness, you almost certainly do have a brain injury, but just because you didn't still doesn't mean there could be some of that, what we call contretemps going on where the brain is sloshing around inside the skull. Um, And you might experience some dizziness, some altered level of consciousness, some confusion, maybe not remembering what happened exactly in the accident, so being a little amnesic. All of those things can indicate that there may have been some sort of brain injury that happened in the car accident. And Betsy, you just mentioned some symptoms uh, after a car accident that somebody may be experiencing. Are there other symptoms that somebody may, may look out for if they suffered a brain injury? Yes, as time goes on in the immediate period after the accident and over the following days, some of the more common symptoms are fatigue, sleeping more often than usual, sensitivity to light, sensitivity to noise, uh, confusion, dizziness, headaches, uh, feeling foggy, problems with memory. Those are some of the main things that you want to look out for in the aftermath of a car accident that might indicate a brain injury. Is there any testing that gets done immediately after a car accident for brain injuries? I know some folks, when they're in a car accident, they may go by ambulance to a hospital. They may do x-rays. And, you know, some, a lot of times the x-rays will come back negative. Are there any testing that gets done early on or could be done early on to help diagnose a concussion? 
Well, that's the problem with a concussion or a brain injury. There really are no objective findings that you can see on a CAT scan or an MRI or an X-ray that'll show a traumatic brain injury. Really what it is, is being able to recognize the symptoms yourself and then reporting them to your doctor. So sometimes doctors will do uh, a coma symptom scale where they will check off certain symptoms that you might be having and how significant they are and then add those up. And they may be able to tell from that and diagnose a concussion if you meet a certain level on the coma scale, uh, the coma uh, concussion scale rather. So it's important to make sure that you notice the symptoms of a brain injury so that you can accurately report them to your doctor because there really is no other objective way for the doctor to diagnose the concussion other than your reporting to him your symptoms. And that's one of the things that I see sometimes is people may not recognize those symptoms in themselves. So if a loved one or somebody you're close to, whether it's a friend or a coworker or a sibling or a parent or a child, somebody that you're close to, if you're if, if somebody's in an accident, um, is, is it common for them to be you know, perhaps recognize these symptoms in, in somebody who is suffering from them? Absolutely. It's important to talk to your friends and family, your close, um, close contacts to see if they've noticed any change in your personality. Sometimes changes in personality can happen after a, a brain injury. You might feel sadder than usual. You might be crying more often. You might be more irritable or quick to anger. Those are other things that you could notice in the aftermath of a brain injury, but that is harder for people to recognize in themselves. But your loved ones and your close friends and family might recognize those types of things in you. So ask them, ask them if you seem to have been um, experiencing some of those types of symptoms. One of the things that we see a lot is uh, clients have, you know, whiplashes in a car accident. And sometimes the cervical uh, sprain can result in headaches and sometimes the concussion can result in headaches. How, how in your experience do you or doctors distinguish between those two things? It's pretty hard to distinguish between the two. Um, a tension headache from a cervical spine injury will often start in the neck and sort of spread upwards in the back of the head towards the front of the head. That's what a classic tension headache looks like. If you're having headaches that are somewhat different from that, if they're not starting in the neck and spreading upwards, that could be more indicative of a brain injury. Um, pain is very hard to describe and it's very hard to pin down. I think the hallmarks of a brain injury that you want to look out for are not just the headaches, but some of the other associated symptoms that I talked about going with it. So if you're having headaches plus confusion, headaches plus fatigue, headaches plus dizziness, that type of thing might be something to give you a red flag that you're dealing with something more than just a tension type headache from your neck. So what is some, what should somebody do if, if, you know, they've come home from the hospital, they, you know, they may be receiving chiropractic or physical therapy care for uh, their muscle injuries. What should somebody do if they think, or if they suspect that they have a brain injury, what kind of doctor should they call? Well, it's important to document the symptoms of what you're having. And the specialist that you're going to want to see is a neurologist, at least initially. And a neurologist may be able to help you with your headaches in terms of medication. What the neurologist is not going to be able to do is he's not going to be able to do much for your other brain injury associated symptoms in the immediate aftermath of the brain injury. There isn't a whole lot to do for a traumatic brain injury other than to let the brain rest so a doctor will probably tell you to avoid screens, um, to avoid reading, to avoid bright lights, to avoid television, and like I said, any other type of screen. 
um, and give yourself what's called cognitive rest. So don't overexert yourself in terms of your mental processing. You might need to take some time off from work. You might need to take some time off from school, but you really, it's important to let your brain rest and heal in the immediate aftermath of the car accident. Um, as time goes on, that's when we start to wonder if the symptoms persist, whether something is going on here that might be more permanent. And about how long after, you know, does time go on? What's like sort of a normal period for the symptoms that you just described to basically resolve or get better? I mean, it varies from person to person, but what they expect to see is steady improvement with time. So you expect over weeks and months that you're going to see improvement in the symptoms, improvement in the, the memory problems, improvement in the concentration problems, improvement in your um, ability to what we call executive function, meaning process different tasks and do them at the same time, sort of multitask. If you don't see that type of improvement over a period of three months or so, then it's time to get back to the neurologist and say, hey, I'm still experiencing symptoms. What do you recommend we do from here? And what imaging might a neurologist do to help diagnose a brain injury or diagnose some of those ongoing symptoms that someone might have? Well, as I said, a typical MRI or CAT scan is not going to diagnose a brain injury. There are very few, very specialized MRI machines, mostly in New York City, that can diagnose brain injuries. They're called DTI MRIs. It's called diffuse tension tensor imaging. And if your doctor may want to send you to have one of those special MRIs to see if that MRI can pick up changes in your brain on what we call a cellular level that might indicate that a brain injury has occurred. And is there anybody else that that neurologist may want to send you to uh, at that point? Any other kind of specialist? Yeah, after a period of time when there is some concern that especially cognitive symptoms might be becoming permanent, the neurologist may want to refer you to a neuropsychologist. A neuropsychologist is not a medical doctor. He's a psychologist who's specifically trained in administering a large series of tests that are uh, designed to diagnose the specific problems that you might be having as a result of your brain injury. Sometimes the testing can take an entire day or even two days. Um, and they're questions and exams that are sort of similar to logic games, similar to IQ tests, but they're not IQ tests. They're designed to test your memory, your ability to multitask, uh, your concentration, and the other ways that your brain functions. And this helps translate your symptoms and what you are subjectively experiencing into a report that you can actually see how you are impaired as a result of the brain injury. Are there any treatments or therapies that a neuropsychologist may help somebody with? That, that I mean, I think sometimes when folks have brain injuries, they, they may fear that there's nothing they can do, that they're stuck with this. Are there things that a neuropsychologist or some other doctor may be able to do to help the brain heal or to help improve the brain? There are ways that you can learn to strengthen your brain like you would strengthen any other muscle in your body. So there are occupational therapies and behavioral therapies that you can go to that will help you figure out how to work with what you're presently experiencing and some tips and tricks 
to make yourself function better. It also can help you strengthen your ability to concentrate, strengthen your memory, um, strengthen your ability to multitask. And that can be some ways that you can improve on your, on your symptoms. Um, unfortunately, however, there do come times when a brain injury is permanent and you may be stuck with experiencing these symptoms for the rest of your life. And that's a very serious situation. Now, Betsy, I mean, when anybody's in a car accident, it's very overwhelming. There's a lot on their plate. People are busy as it is. They were never intending to be in a car accident. They, you know, they may have kids and jobs and responsibilities that that we all have. And the car accident alone, they've lost their vehicle. Um, They're getting calls from insurance adjusters. Uh, They're getting bills from doctors. They don't, they're in pain. They may not know where to turn. At what point, if somebody suspects that they have a brain injury, do you think that they should look into retaining an attorney? Well, I think it's really important because uh, an attorney is able to get you sometimes access to doctors and treatments that you might not otherwise know about. Most people don't know a neuropsychologist that they can call up. Fortunately, we do have a network of people that we use to get our clients in for treatment and diagnosis that you might not otherwise be able to find out on your own. So it is important to call someone early on in the process if you did experience a brain injury, because those types of claims can be very, very serious. And it's important to try to get the treatment that you need as soon as possible. And also when somebody's just experiencing, I've had a concussion and just when somebody's experiencing those symptoms, um, you know, when you said about, you know, brain overload, I remember I had a concussion in high school, I was skiing and I went back to, to school after some days. I just remember being in the hallway and all the faces and noises were just so disorienting to me that it, that it made me nauseous and have to go home. And so when you're, when you're in that, you know, vulnerable position and you're in a complicated legal position, you know, I think it is useful to get a Connecticut brain injury attorney in on the case, looking at those things early to help take a lot of things off the plate of somebody who is experiencing this. Absolutely. And what we also can do is coordinate things like coordinate your care. We can help you with the doctor's offices. We can help you with the medical bills in terms of organizing them and figuring out how do I get this submitted to which insurance company and, and how can I make sure that this is taken care of? So we do perform also a function for someone who is experiencing, as you said, brain overload to help them manage the overwhelming task of figuring out which doctors to go to, where to go, when to go, how do I get there? How do I pay for it? That's a, something that we can help you figure out as well. And also confusing is when you're in a car accident, you may not know what kind of lawyer to turn to. And there are a lot of, you know, car accident lawyers. We all see the billboards and the commercials and the radio ads. It seems like it's everywhere. How does, how, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're a brain injury lawyer. How do you, how would you go about choosing a lawyer for your case if you've suffered a brain injury? Yeah, it's very important if you have suffered a brain injury that you deal with an attorney who specifically knows what to do with a client with a brain injury. Um, Many lawyers might tell you to just go see a neurologist, and that isn't going to help explain what your symptoms are to the insurance company so that we can help you get the compensation for the injuries that you've received. Um, And a neurologist isn't going to say much more than the fact that you've suffered a concussion and that you still have symptoms. It's not going to explain to the insurance company, this is the actual impact on this person's daily life and functioning. A neuropsychologist, however, 
that's the person that can create a report that specifically says that this client, for example, has a 50% decrease in his short-term memory. This client has a 25% decrease in his long-term memory. This client has a 40% decrease in his ability to concentrate and to multitask. And that really explains to an insurance company, oh, these are permanent cognitive changes in a person that can never be recovered. And you don't get that type of testing unless you go to an attorney who knows to send you to that type of testing. Um, There are all types of specialists that we can help uh, brain injured clients go to that a typical attorney might not be experienced enough with this particular specialized field to be able to know what to do. Now, Betsy, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do it? And are you currently accepting new brain injury cases? Absolutely. Yes, we're currently accepting new cases. Um, My direct phone number is 860-969-4703. Or you can email me at Betsy, B-E-T-S-Y, at cttrialfirm.com. And I think it's important for folks to know that we have a team of people who are trained to work with brain injured clients, because we often understand that when people are brain injured, they may forget about appointments. They may forget to give us things. And our our, our team is really trained specifically to recognize those issues, to be very patient and kind and compassionate uh, with clients who are going through this because we understand what they are experiencing. So I think it's also important that they're working with a firm that has a staff and team that are trained to help people who have been brain injured. Absolutely. And I will just say that we have some of the easiest communication and the most communication with our clients of of any lawyers I've ever known. Um, We text on a frequent basis so that you don't have to even deal with phone calls or emails. You can just get a text from us right to your phone, giving giving you updates on what's going on and telling you what the next steps are. So we try to make it very easy and accessible for people to contact us and to be in complete communication at all times. And I just want to turn, uh, you know, sort of the last segment of this call into, you know, the case at the Connecticut Law Tribune, which is the, you know, really the, I guess it's not the paper anymore, but it it used to be the paper of record for, you know, Connecticut lawyers. And uh, they had written up an article uh, about, um, I'm reading the headline now, it says going the extra mile wins a $250,000 policy limit after wreck. Plaintiff's counsel, Bessie Ingram, has secured $250,000 for a client who suffered brain and eye injuries in a head-on collision in Rocky Hill in 2019. Can you just tell us a little bit about, without, you know, without disclosing any client confidences, but what has been, um, you know, reported with permission of the client to the uh, Connecticut Law Tribune and uh, is in public record, um, a little bit about this case. Well, this is a head-on motor vehicle collision that occurred when a drunk driver had just left a restaurant in Rocky Hill and smashed into our client, uh, as I said, head on. And the client, Jessica Pratt, who is at the time 19 years old, suffered facial fractures and a concussion that left her with permanent deficits in her cognitive abilities. Um, So this is obviously a very serious case. Jessica had a a lot of serious injuries. And, you know, we knew from the beginning that it was important to make sure that we got her to the best treatment possible so that she could have the best recovery and the best hope to um, get all of her injuries compensated. 
I'm going to take the question just a little bit more more general. A lot of times people online think that for plaintiff's cases, that there's some kind of multiple of, you know, medical specials, medical bills, and that's how much a case is worth. Like there's some kind of formula. So if you have, you know, sometimes I see it online, it's two times or three times or four times what the what the specials are. And mm-hmm. oftentimes in, in brain injury cases, what we call the medical specials may be quite low because it's not like you're undergoing surgery or you you have to go for physical therapy for 50 times after surgery or 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 things of that nature that accrue lots of medical bills so sometimes folks with brain injuries may have low medical bills does low medical bills prohibit you know a recover a significant recovery in a case of, of a brain injury absolutely not uh, Jessica's medical bills were not particularly high because, as you said, there's no surgery or there's no real treatment that you can do for a brain injury. What we did was we got her to a neurologist to document the injury and to follow her in the immediate short term, the first few months, to see how she was doing. And then after we found that she was not improving, uh, we sent her to a neuropsychologist for testing about a year or so after the accident. And the neuropsychologist did the testing and concluded that she had some specific deficits in her memory, her ability to concentrate, um, things like that, that were likely to persist into the future. And so because of that, even though her medical bills were not very high at all, we recovered $250,000 for her, which was the limit of insurance that was available under the drunk driver's policy. And we intend to go after the remaining um, $250,000 from the restaurant, which is the limit that we can recover from a restaurant that serves uh, someone that caused them to be intoxicated and to get into an accident. One sort of final question here is I, I had mentioned before in the interview about, you know, being you, that, that, that feeling of walking through the high school hallway and, 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 and really the the difficulty that I had through that in processing and the difficulty a lot of brain injury clients have, and they experience that in different ways. Most people aren't in high school walking through a hallway, but they may experience it at work. They may experience it at home. They may experience it on a screen. Is that kind of thing, is that compensable under the law? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The feeling of being overwhelmed, the cognitive overload that you talk about, the uh, inability to concentrate, the loss of enjoyment of life you have because you can't fully participate in activities with your friends and family. Those types of of non-tangible things are absolutely compensable. The purpose of damages in a civil lawsuit is to compensate you for the loss of enjoyment of of your normal life. And a brain injury, much more than many other things, completely eradicates your ability to live your normal life. So they absolutely are compensable and they should be compensated. That's what we do for our clients. One last thing. I mean, we've mentioned imaging Mm -hmm. and we've mentioned, you know, diagnostic tests where neuropsychologists give you literally written tests. Right. But is there I know I know one of the things that some of our clients have had is like pituitary gland tests Mm -hmm. for brain injuries. Are you familiar with those? Um, With respect to the chemicals that can be released in terms of a brain injury. Is that what you're referring to? That's correct. Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of evolving. There are certain chemicals that are released uh, during a brain injury from the cell on the cellular level when the brain gets damaged. And so there can be testing that can be done to show that a brain injury has occurred if the levels 
of certain hormones and chemicals in the body are altered. That that's also something that can be done to show that a brain injury has happened. And I just, I just bring that up because it's not, I mean, the changes that happen aren't just, um, you know, they're not just experienced. They're not just visible on an, on an MRI. They're actual, you know, chemical changes that go on in the body that with the right testing can also be detected. So somebody may be experiencing these symptoms and they're, they're very real and they're not, you know, I just, I guess what I want people to get out of this is that what they're experiencing is real. What they're, what they're feeling is real. Their uh, struggles are, are real. And there are ways to actually document this um, as we sit here in 2021 that are, that are objective. Absolutely. I mean, lastly. Yeah. And, it, and it is, it's, sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but oh, you it's, go ahead. it's very frustrating for clients who can feel like they're not being taken seriously, that their symptoms are not being taken seriously. Um, we know that these symptoms are real and we take you very seriously and we know how to get you to the right doctors who will also take you seriously and do everything they can to help you get better. And I, and I think we see that a lot where you have doctors who are not trained in these things, who are not familiar with these very specific and developing and cutting edge things as imaging gets better, as testing gets better, as information gets better, that they may just go to a local doctor and they get diagnosed with a concussion. And the doctor just basically says, oh, you have a concussion. And there's really, you know, follow up if you're still having, you know, pain uh, in six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. But there are actual tests and things that can be done uh, that I think are going to grow in as the medical community, you know, gains broader knowledge of of, of brain injuries, because we're certainly sort of, I think, um, just beginning to really understand the brain and have the technology to map it. Right. Your family doctor is probably not going to know to send you to New York for a DTI MRI. Um, The people that we know, the people that we can refer you to, they do know about those things. They do know about those tests and we can help you get to the right people to help solve this problem. Any final thoughts, Betsy? No, I mean, I just want to say that we're here for our clients and we're here for you. And if there's anything that we can do to help you work through a brain injury uh, after an accident or, or any other type of problem, we're happy to do it. And that's why we're here. Well, thank you very much for your time, Betsy. This has been very informative. Thanks, Ryan. You've been listening to Connecticut personal injury attorney, Ryan McCain, giving you straight talk and answering your questions about Connecticut personal injury law. It's serious stuff. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan McCain on Facebook at CT trial firm on LinkedIn at Ryan McCain and on Instagram at CT injury lawyer till next time.